We'll be following Willie Moore and Moore. Back in the NRL. There's Willie Mays. That's forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Oh, you got skills, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Two fancy for that. Welcome to episode number 10 of The Take with Willie Mason. Mm-hmm. Do you reckon by episode 12 it might be The Take with Willie Mason and Ian Byrne? Or no, is it, it's too no, long. It's too it's long. It is too long. That's just too long. No yeah. no disrespect, but like just, just one, one name. One name. Willie Mason. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to one, ten, one ten, <laughs> 10 episodes. Are we going to celebrate? Let's right. celebrate. All right. Let's have Cheers, a mate. social distancing well beer. Yes. There we go. All right. Mate, we've done, um, I think... Considering the circumstances, I don't think – I listen to some other podcasts and they've coming up with absolute bullshit. Um, all they do is make fucking teams up and talk about this in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and stuff. So at least we stay, we stay relevant on this show. We talk the truth and it's, it's been fun. Now we get some really good guests on. We've had Joel Parkinson and, you know, my black book's going to go a little bit deeper. You know, next week will be um, – could be someone else. So, you know, I think, very I, think people, I think people just enjoy – they enjoy our show. Like even like a sponsor like Bondo Booster just come on board because we're different. I'm very impressed with your black book, actually. Yeah. It's very but good. I mean, I'm very like, excited I about Joel Parkinson. I honestly Parkinson. don't think Bondo – just say Bondo Boost. No one – no fucking – not one of our listeners would know what Bondo Boost is. But if – I think their missus would or their wife or whatever because it's a hair product thing and you use some beautiful hair products, so it would be good for you. You get your and hair that, cut it is, six times it is, a week. It's, it's a men's product. I'm trying to get – I'm not even – he didn't even ask me to give him a bit of a shout-out, but I'm so fuck it. If he goes, I want to be, I want to be a part of the tape because we, we're just different than everyone else. So – you're Thanks, different. Bondi boost. You're different from most people, William. What we have got now is we have got uh, three weeks until NRL kickoff yep. is happening. I am still sort of waiting for what it is that will be the. F- I mean, we've had the, you know, the non-social distancing problem. Mm. The latest thing that has popped up is the anti-vax uh, stance by yeah. by Bryce Cartwright and and his wife. Yeah. I don't see how they can – I mean, they're trying to do everything they can, yeah. obviously, to get people, players back on the field. And the flu vaccine is a terrific idea for everyone to get and everyone should get it, you know. And you would know better than anyone else. It, it's unrelated necessarily yes. to coronavirus. Can you explain that to people? Because people just think that he's against – like because people don't actually read the fine print, they just read headlines. They think he's against the – yeah, like we've got a fucking uh, vaccine for the coronavirus. No, it's not. It's a flu vaccine, a which flu we get vaccine. every single every single year. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So it's the normal it's the normal flu vaccine. And I mean, I guess what they're trying to do is to relieve. As soon as a player gets flu like symptoms, then what the NRL will do is they will have to shut the game down in that short time until those results come back. And if those results for Corona came back as as a negative, then they could start again. But if that was on a Friday night then that would mean then that the rest of the games for the weekend would have to be stopped and that would stop the entire thing. So what the NRL are trying to do is they are trying to stop flu-like symptoms across the game yeah. by stopping their players from getting because the flu. Because coronavirus is flu-like symptoms. Correct. Right. So I it's mean, impossible to differentiate between yeah. corona flu and normal flu and, you know, the symptoms are so similar. So I can understand what the NRL is saying. They're also trying to lobby government saying – we're doing everything we can, yeah. right? So what then happens is if you've got players coming out and saying 
well, we don't actually want to get that done, mm. then I think Bryce Cartwright is well within his rights to not yeah. get the flu vaccine. Yeah. However, shut up about it. Just yeah. pretend, like I wonder why is it in the why is that in the press will? I wonder if last year because this is I'm not, it's not a compulsory thing with with NRL players, but they do the option is to have the flu vaccine every year. I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on it. I'm not sure if it's compulsory, but like you usually get it every year. Like, but it's not why? compulsory. It's not. Yeah, it's yeah, never yeah, been yeah, compulsory. I'm just thinking before. that. But like, just say if he were, if he was against it for the, he's been in the professional system for five or six years. Yeah, and it's always offered like all these vaccines and everything, the flu shot and all that kind of stuff, pneumonia, whatever the fuck. You just you're a pincushion for fucking most of the year, but especially Cronulla. Yeah, <laughs> but just for him, if he if he's he's within his rights to say. No, I don't. I don't. I don't want the flu shot. But it's obviously news now because of all the the climate that we live in. But I, I hope to God that he's been solid for the la- for his whole life, not just fucking now. Well, he's so, been solid since he met his missus. Obviously, she's a mad anyway. So, so but- I think, yeah. But I'm sorry, but I just think everyone's within their boundaries. And like, like Scott Morrison said, no, no jab, no play. So he's risking a lot. Just for a flu vaccine, I get it. Everyone can, everyone says anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists and all that sort of shit. I understand. I understand exactly what you, exactly what they're thinking, and I get it. So if if he's making a stance, it's at his, it's going to be at his own detriment because he won't be playing. Well, explain to me why he's making a stance. Like, how is this in the press? So someone either he's either chosen to come out publicly himself and go, I'm not going to do it, in which case he's an imbecile and there's no vaccination for stupidity, or someone's leaked it. Mm. So what, I mean... Yeah, I don't know I how don't it gets out because I just... I, I, don't, I honestly wouldn't know how it gets out because I've, I, I've been around players who don't like getting needles, who don't like... They're not anti-vaxxers or any shit, anything like that. They just don't want the flu shot. Because sometimes it just brings on those symptoms, which it does. Is that is that how it works? Oh, when not, you get the vaccine, how not, does it work? Not really. I mean, essentially, what, what tell the our vac- listeners because a lot of them probably wouldn't understand what what the vaccine is. Is it's, it's not it's, saying you're dumb because I don't understand either. That's why I asked. <laughs> you're actually trying to make me explain it to <laughs> yes. you. Yeah. Yes. Explain, so look, please explain. It's, it's what's called attenuated. So it's not a live vaccine, and I don't particularly want to you know get into that whole vaccine versus non-vaccine because there's a lot of misinformation and people. There's a, a well-known, or not that well-known, but there's a footballer who whose wife is is a massive anti-vaxxer, and I see some is of the stuff. Is that Frank Winnerstein? Yeah, 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 massive. And she's, I mean, she's an A-grade lunatic. And so, I, look, I I can understand how it's personal choice, but at the end of the day, the whole point of vaccination is that the more people that get it, there's a herd immunity, and everyone survives. You know, against yeah. with the NRL. I don't have a problem with Bryce Cartwright not getting the vaccination. What I have a problem, because the flu itself, it's not going to become this massive big thing that kills everybody, Mm. you know. What we're talking about with that is trying to prevent the NRL from having problems that will stop it. Why is it in the paper? Why is Bryce Cartwright choosing to come out and disrespect his teammates, disrespect the game? Just say to someone quietly, I don't want to get it done, and they say, "All right, no worries." Yeah. Now Scott Morrison's wading into it. I totally get it. Um, there's there's a million ways around this whole thing because I've seen players go, "No, I don't, I don't want the flu shot. I don't want the flu shot. I don't want the flu shot." There's like ten players in every single top squad. I've seen them do it. They don't. It's either I don't like fucking needles, or I just don't want to get it. And the doctor goes, "Okay, no worries." Was like, it it's not like, a big were, deal. Were not, you when you were playing? Did they offer the flu yes, shot? Yes, every did. single year. Yeah, like right. you get offered like all the vaccines every single year, and like and, and it's up to you as an individual to go. Yeah, I want that, or yes, I don't. 
Yes, I don't. Yes, that, I don't. Yes, I don't make sense. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. So it's, it's, it is your choice. So he's obviously reached out to some sort of media outlet and said, oh, or it's been leaked. Maybe. That's the mean, only. That's the yeah. only. It's the only way it's making news because this should this should not make news. This is not that big a deal. A lot of players, you know, a lot of players say no to a lot of things. This is not a. This is not compulsory to players. So he's either told everybody and he wants to be this anti-vaccinator. Him and his him and his wife, or he's like it's been leaked because most people wouldn't understand. And I don't think the doctor would be going, hey. Bryce Cartwright's not wanting his flu no, shot. No one would give a shit no if he hadn't turned like, it into a big thing. It's a circus like, now. This is what I mean. Like, But everything's amplified by a thousand right now, and this is what's happening. If he's told some one person, that person tells someone else, it's just it's ridiculous. You can't trust anyone these days, and especially in clubs. You think you're telling your best mate next minute the media knows so because they want a story. Anti-vaxxers are like vegans, mate. They're the only every they have to tell everyone. I'm a vegan. I'm an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, well, just, yeah, well, do so, your own thing and is. shut up about it. I just it. think stay in your own lane. It doesn't matter if you talk about religion or anything like that. Look, you believe in what you believe in. Just, just exactly. Stay in your own lane. Don't preach your shit on me. And you, you do whatever you do. I'm not going to judge you for whatever you do. I don't care what Bryce Cartwright does. You don't have to put on everyone else. Like everybody lives their own life. It's not about fucking you. Like it's just. Just do your own thing. If you if you're about that, stay there. Good. I hope I hope I hope something I hope you get something out of it. But like don't just put it on everyone else and throw this whole whole NRL into a spiel again with you're getting the fucking uh Prime Minister to come in and weigh in on his options and say <laughs> no right. jab, no plan. I'm like, God damn, it's just a flu shot. I know I know hundreds of people throughout my years that has had no flu shot. Now it's a drama. The percentage of people in the community that get their flu shot is actually quite low, you know, and so they they push for over sixty fives and they push for vulnerable people to do so, and, and a lot of people do. I mean, I mm. I, I work in health. I, yeah. I get it sometimes. I don't get it sometimes. It's not a massive deal. What has happened is it's turned into a massive deal because someone's turned it into a massive deal. It's just again in the as you say in the in the current environment, yes, it's just can, stupid. You cannot. I mean, if he. Obviously, I don't know Bryce Cartwright personally, but I'm just trying to delve into the mindset of that person right now, knowing the circumstances and knowing, just say, a year ago, nobody gives a shit if you're an anti-vaxxer. They just think you're, you're, you're a problem. But right now, as the climate that, it we, that we're in, people. it's, it's, it's going to be front-page news. So yeah. maybe he's a, he's a smart little man and goes, okay, I'm going to be an anti-vaxxer right now because it's going to make fucking front page news. I'll get, I'll get attention. Get it's attention. all about awareness. It's all yeah. about awareness with whatever you're doing, whether it's good or bad. Like, I'm not sure. There's a lot of anti-vaxxers out there. Good on you. I don't care. It doesn't matter. That's what you believe in. I'll believe in whatever I do. But I'm not going to preach too much where it bothers your life. And none of this shit does bother me. But if it's on, if we have to talk about it and it's making fucking news in rugby league, I need to talk about it yeah. because I just need to tell people how how these things come out and what sort of what players are going through at the moment now. And obviously they are going through a hell of a lot. And he's an anti vaxxer. Big deal. Good I'll on tell him. you what though, if I'm if I'm sitting there and I've given up a number of things and my future earnings and my career are put in jeopardy by yeah. a bloke coming out of that. I'm, I, I just hope for Bryce Cartwright's sake it's not his wife that has then come out and tried to turn this into a political football because that would be – if that was the case, I would be disappointed for him. Yeah. I think – I mean, hopefully, you know, he's made a stance and he has to deal with it because, you know, like these players that we've been, we've been talking about the last, you know, six weeks, these, these players – 
they rely on play. They want players play. They want to play, and they need to play to get paid. So unless Bryce, Bryce Cartwright is from money or he's not really worried about money, then he should be worried because they won't. They will not play him. It's your job. It is your job. I think one thing it's done, I guess, is – well, it had done for a while. It took the focus off poor old Latrell Mitchell and, and his – but then Rachel Mitchell's back in the press today because someone took a photo of him struggling for the first training session. Now, every single NRL player who's been on the piss and socially isolating for five weeks and eating cake and hamburgers just, is struggling on day one. Explain to people fuck. what day one of training is like, did, will you? I did my head in. I was just – I try not to watch and I try not to – uh, try to lead, lead into most of these bullshit stories like the Latrell and you know if you watch Fox and all that sort of shit, it's all negative shit. It's not really there's not many that many positive stories. So I try to get my own spiel on this whole thing, and I'm like, okay, well, your first day, like you hadn't done anything for six weeks, and like you probably would have done some training in the last six weeks. It's just not that intense rugby league football training where you've got to come up. You got it's a different level when you get back to the NRL. You can go down the you can go down the park. Yeah, I've done my I did my uh you know little bit of a session down the, down, down the park, you know what yeah. I mean? It's not at a level of the of an NRL level. You're just ticking it over. You're just getting the motor running, getting it getting it running. That's what you do in the last six weeks. And that's what they most of these players in every single NRL club, they were out doing their own training. A lot of a lot of all all the teams were doing it, and you don't think that the SNC, which is strength and conditioning, would have had all their all their players Program. having different programs yeah. because hey, sixty percent of Polynesians have a tendency to blow out. All right, <laughs> and and they would have been hell bent on getting those kids back into a into the into the group right now and just be like, okay, you're the same weight. Just don't put. Just please don't be don't be don't overweight because you can get your legs and you can get that in two or three weeks and you can hit the ground running. Please don't be five kilos heavier. Please don't be ten kilos heavier. Latrell doesn't look like he's put on weight. No. So obviously, as a, so back to saying what I'm saying, all these guys would have been training three or four times a week. Obviously, weights would have been a di- bit different, but clubs gave all their weights to most of these kids. You talk about we talked to a boy Corner four weeks ago. He's at his gym all the time. He's working out. He's staying fit. And this is when I keep saying, being a professional player, obviously at, at right now is so paramount to being on and off the field because you guys are still getting paid as professionals, but you're, you're not playing. Yeah. So you need to be on top of your diet, on top of everything. And everybody I look at looks looks in pretty decent shape. Like Latrell doesn't look out of shape. No, he doesn't. He looked pretty – he didn't look that good round one and two, but he had a shortened preseason. But people need to understand, like when you come back day one when we go back – it doesn't matter. They took like footage of him, which was so fucking stupid. Like every, if you take footage of a person from one, the first minute, these sessions last for about two hours. To the to the last, you know, last couple of minutes, you're going to be hitting on you. You're going to be standing on your. You'll be on your knees. You'll be breathing heavy. There's going to be one moment where you haven't got the best body position, and and all that kind of stuff. It's just ridiculous re- re- reporting, and it's amateur reporting. And I'm just, I mean, I just worry about him, man. Like that, that sort of stuff. Everybody is struggling at, 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 at that first day. It's just going, like, why is this fucking front page news? We, we talked about it last week, about the pylon that he's copped, specifically him, right? There's, there's not any player in the NRL at the moment yeah. that polarises opinion like him. And there's 16 clubs and mm. there's 30 first grade players. So you're talking about 400 players yep. and they take a photo of one bloke yeah. And go look at him battling it. Like it's just again, it just 
someone, I think Adam Reynolds today said it's very like they're going to drive him out of the game the way yeah. they drove Michael Jordan out. And then everyone's like, oh, he's not Michael Jordan. Yeah, but well, it's the point is he's a professional athlete see, that's people, getting hammered. See, people don't understand that. They're like, he's not Michael Jordan. Shut the fuck up. We know not he's not point. Michael Jordan. It's not the point. It's the whole he's a na- human. It's the narrative of how. What happened to Michael Jordan? If every if anybody's watching the Last Dance, the ninety two ninety three season, you know, like the amount of scrutiny he was getting scrutinized for gambling and all this kind of stuff, he's sort of over the game, you know, like, and I worry about that with Latrell. He's, he has achieved everything in the game before before he's twenty three. Yeah, everything in the game doesn't need to win anything else, and like, what what does the game mean to Latrell? Does it mean, like, does he want to be, like, the best, one of the greatest of all time because he has the potential to do that? Maybe he doesn't want to be that. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't, like, maybe he's not He's not that sort of guy. Like, he's not that J- Jonathan Thurston sort of drive. The Greg Inglis's, Andrew Johns, Billy Slater's, Cameron Smith's, all these guys that have a certain drive behind him. I know he, ha- he, I know he has because he has achieved. You don't fluke this shit, man. Like, you don't, you don't fluke what he's done in the last four years. But also, Will, looking back at your career, you know, you you won a Churchill, you'd represented New South Wales, you represented Australia. You didn't get itchy feet in the game until you had done all of those things and then you started to say, well, what now? Yeah. You know, that was yeah. when you started looking at NFL, you yeah. started looking at rugby union. Latrell Mitchell's 23 yeah. or 22, whatever he is, and he's done all the things other than the Churchill that, that you have done. Yeah. He's won a grand final, he's mm. represented New South Wales. He's, so at what how do you find the motivation at that when yeah. you're getting hammered everything you do to yeah. go, I'm going to do this for another 10 or 12 years? Well, he just had a beautiful young young little baby, so that should drive him even more. And I mean, like family means everything to him. I know I know he's a different he's a different sort of breed. Like he's not your normal sort of player where a lot of a lot of shit can get to him and, and all that kind of stuff. Because I've, I've talked to him a fair bit. His mindset is very, very strong. He's hell-bent. He's very proud, cultured Aboriginal brother, and he's very proud of that. Anything that sort that's where it sort of stems from. Because I was always trying to think, what the fuck has Latrell Mitchell done to everyone to hate him? I still or, don't get it. You know what I mean? And it's because he stands up for being an Aboriginal. That's what I'll be. That's what that's my my outcome in this whole thing. He stands up for who he is. He cops a hell of a lot of abuse from people just on social media. And he's just he's that kid who's twenty years old. We didn't grow up on social media. You know, mm. like as twenty two year old Willie. And 22-year-old Ian Byrne, we weren't, we weren't dealing with outside pressure. We just no. had to deal with life ourselves every single day, having a good group of people around us and that you learn from all your mates and other people. Like Do you reckon he's – I mean, looking at him standing up, though, all he did was he chose not to sing the anthem and then people po- – and people were asking him questions. You get a camera put in your face, why aren't you singing the anthem? And he, mm. said, and he goes, well, it's just my opinion and, and – People pile on over that. He he never went out like on social media going, I no. hate the white man, you know. No, but man, like, he didn't do anything like that. So I don't understand the hatred. Yeah. And it is. Have, and it is it hatred. Is, it's it's hatred. not it's not just I just I don't like this dude. There's a lot of hate because a lot of the things that he reposts on his on his Instagram and a lot of the things that he's talking about. Man, there's some of the shit that some people say. You're like, where are we living? Mm. Oh, is this like the eighteen hundreds when you know, we had slaves and stuff like that. What are we talking about? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, what he's copping and, like, he's just standing up for himself and his people. And I don't think people like that. Yeah. I, just, I honestly just don't think that because every, the only thing that people have had, they've had, like, a warranted sort of time to have a go at this kid 
is that one game he played bad in Origin. They just mm. fucking went, yes, I can attack him. And that one test that he played against Tonga when they got beat, bang, I can attack him. Two, two opportunities when you can actually judge him on his football. Because every time, every, everywhere else that he's played, he's won, he's winning grand finals, he's winning origins. And then as soon as they get the opportunity to actually hit him where it hurts, where when you're talking about him playing, then, they, then they'll have a real good crack at him. And he can obviously, he, I always talk about, I talk to him and I just try and just say, look, how, how's your mindset? How are you thinking about this? How are you going to attack this? How are you going to, how are you feeling? How's your family? He's all, he, like, I hope, hope to God that he means what he says because he's always saying, I'm good, bro. I, I put things in perspective. I'm all about my people. I'm just a proud man. I said, I said, oh, look, just watch out. Little things that I've said is just watch out when you, when you're being overly aggressive because remember he was over fucking grabbing your jersey, throwing yeah. you out, doing some shit that wasn't like, just say when I was playing, it was just the norm. Yeah. But I said, look, they've changed the rules so it looks like you've been a bully and they don't like that shit. So mm. a lot of players and a lot of, a lot of uh, coaches and even the supporters are like, why is, it, why is he doing that shit? It, from my eyes, I'm like, that's just norm. That's just the norm. You're an overly aggressive player. Justin Hodges was like that. All these sort of players that he loved and idolised, they were all like that. It's only because nobody does it, it stands out. Do you reckon so, that's what it is? I mean, no, that's just, some, a, that's just yeah, a little, it's, it's a microcosm of what he was doing. But it's interesting too, because I mean, if you look at, I guess, the players that have been disliked, I guess, over the years, they all have that hard edge where yeah. it's, you know, on the edge like Paul Gallen for a while, yeah. you know, Hodges, you mentioned yourself. There's a few blokes that people are like, oh, he's a grub, he's a yeah. grub, he's a grub, but they're not grubs. They're they not. just, I mean, Trill Mitchell's never done anything wrong on they the play, field. They play the game hard. Paul Gallen played the game hard. All like Gordon Tallis played the game hard. All these guys through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, it's just like guys play the game hard, but all people see at home is that. Mm. They just see you on the field and they will judge you on that. That's it. They'll judge you on 80 minutes. They don't, they don't know what sort of person you are. They don't give a shit. They've already got these preconceived, already sort of vision of you. They're like, he must be a prick if he's doing that on the field. They don't understand the psyche of some players. They just, they just need, we need to play football. We need to be like, Latrell Mitchell, you meet him, He's the most humble dude. He sits back. He's laid back. He jokes around. That's why they see all these things at training. He's always joking around. Always playing around on the field. He needs that sort. Of, we need. Get we need up that sort of for the contact aggression where you can take that sort of shit out. Because as I said, I've been echoing it for the last six weeks. Rugby league players are not. We're we're built different than your tennis players, than your golfers, than even rugby union players. Anybody because we fiend for that contact. And aggression, and it's like you, you, and that's why people. That's why I keep saying to people, not it's not built for everybody. That's why everybody doesn't fucking play Origin or play for Australia. There's only an elite that play to this level. It's not made for everybody. If your kid's not built for rugby league, if he doesn't like if he's getting belted around, change sports. AFL, but, you know, play AFL, AFL play, built play, for that. play whatever you want. But rugby league players are different, and you're going to deal with Latrell Mitchells. You're going to deal with Greg Inglises and Sonny Bills and Paul Gallons and Gordon Talises. Different dudes grow up different, yeah. and it, your mindset changes when you when you play. That is not the same person that's off the field, which you are attacking all the time. This is a different person. You do, you're judging him on his on field, off field. He he messed up. I'm not even really going to go into it. That last week, went up to Tari, but like he know he owned up to that. He took accountability for it, and he keeps on stepping. And then he rolls up the train today, and they go, he looks sluggish or some shit. Mm. Uh, he struggled. Like fucking serious, man. Like, I'll tell you what I'd struggle. Everybody would struggle. 
I'd struggle. Go to every team and watch every single person. There's going to be like that micro, microcosm of that one minute when you're like, fuck, God damn, I'm tired. You can come into round, at round 25 and people are going to be tired. Yeah. That's the thing. But people are stupid. They believe what they see. You get, you, you get a photo with you on your haunches. That's all people see. That's the perception. And it's just terrible what they're doing. And I just don't want them to keep going. So why we preach about mental health. Oh, my God, we're all so sensitive about this shit. Look what we're fucking doing to this kid. Do we want to run him out of the game or do or even worse, which I won't even go into? That's that's where we're leading. Like that's where we're gonna drive this kid. You don't you don't ask about how he's doing mentally. You don't care. You're like you're lucky he, he I hope to God he has some strong people around him and some really good people that tell him the right things. Otherwise, we're driving him the wrong way. Well, so be careful. I mean, to be honest, this whole thing. We've seen it before, haven't we? Yeah, I think uh, you know Latrell Mitchell and everybody who's watched the Adam Goods documentary. I don't think a lot of New South Wales people or NRL supporters knew what he was going through. This whole racial divide—he was getting booed for eighty minutes every game consistently. Like, I mean, I got booed for a couple of games, but it was only this is this is for Origin. I mean, like this this is it's just this is heading that way towards the Adam Goods thing. And I hope to God we just stop picking on this kid because it is there is that sort of racial divide. I go back to that the, the fines last week. You sign the Aboriginal brothers fifty, clear he gets ten. That's bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's absolute bullshit. And I understand. I understand. Like what, what their whole thing was at the start, but now after, you know, Cleary's doing TikToks and all this sort of shit and lying to everybody, why the fuck haven't they changed their fine from that to 50 grand? It's unbelievable. It does my head in. And that's where, like, if you want a racial divide, you started it. Well, let's just not make this another Adam. If, we're not, if we haven't learned from our past and our mistakes that what we did to Adam Goods, can we not please do it to this kid? I think you would be driven out of Tamworth after last weekend mm. where you I, – I mean – I you love weren't, Tamworth. You weren't positive about Tamworth. I think we've got – I just know a, they're – sorry, I'm sorry. I just know they're there for like more than t- a week. You reckon a week's enough for, a for week. Tamworth? I was there for a week and I'm, I'm fucking bored. Yeah, well, Tamworth is now – I stared at the golden guitar every day. You love guitars, and especially when they're gold. That's all they've got. What about, well, do you know what, Will? At least they have welcomed NRL with open arms, oh, Tamworth. It's a country I'll tell you who hasn't. Town, well, Albury hasn't. And Albury has proved to me once again. I actually, do, do you know what? Wodonga is a shithole. That's yeah, on the other yeah. side of the border. Albury, I liked Albury. They used to have a pub there at Burnt Down. I, I think played it was at Albury. Yeah. You played everywhere. Yeah, I played at Albury. Right? You've been. <laughs> well, what has they love, happened? But they, they love rugby league there. We played Canberra there in 2015, Manly versus Canberra. They're very, they, they love the football. They was that in the, the Was that in the January season? Yeah, it was a was proper it? comp game. Proper so comp that's game. why I was I was very um, surprised because I only must have read the first tweet. It was like, oh, Mel, open arms, Mel, Albury, open arms with um, Melbourne Storm. You're like, they fucking hate Melbourne. I'm like, what? Were you allowed to play on the main <laughs> oval, or did the council vote you no, off we, that as well? No, we played on the main oval. It was a what, great oval. For those that don't know, what has happened is that the Storm have agreed to go over to Albury, which it's a lovely place. I don't know if they've rebuilt the term up, built burnt down a few years ago, but it's a great pub. The council voted, I don't know if this is rugby league or whether they don't like the Storm, they've got a couple of you know Roosters supporters there, but they have said they cannot train on the main oval because it's not fair for the Albury locals to not be able to use the oval <laughs> whilst the Storm do, 
William, is there any message you've got for Tamworth or Albury now? Oh, mate. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of love for Tamworth now. Tamworth. Yeah, I'm all Tamworth. <laughs> Aubrey, I mean, they should be they should be opening opening their arms up to the storm. They're a professional outfit, one of the greatest professional sports teams in the history of the NRL, in the history of Australian sports. So I would love to have the Melbourne Storm Melbourne Storm there. So it ain't really going to rub the right way with a lot of other teams wanting to play the game down there. So they're not doing the right thing by their supporters and by the people of Albury. This obviously comes from the higher-ups with the mayors and all the other bullshit that it goes on, but they're not doing the right thing by the Albury people because having the Melbourne Storm there, having, Cam- there. Yeah, having Cameron Smith and all these guys, Josh Adokan, Vunavalu and all these superstars of the game, you know, like I, I think it, they're losing out. They're losing out, and I don't think I think it's been very selfish. So I think they should probably re- maybe reconsider the whole factor, and you know, maybe have, have the Melbourne Storm there. What about the size of Big Karma Chameleon? Imagine the local cafes. Asafa Solomon. Asafa, so he's Bromwich. nine foot eight. You like, know, yes. that's, got that's some big a, boys, but there's some good characters down there. Some really, some really good people and people and a head coach like Craig Bellamy having that guy around. If you're a young coach. Or you're a young any in any coach AFL or anything. He's so he's so respected in all in all um, assets. Is it assets? No. Or aspects. Aspects. Aspects of sport. If I have Craig Bellamy down there for like three months, I'm going. I want a one-on-one talk with him because yeah. he's one of the greatest coaches in sports history in Australia. So. That, all these factors roll into it. If I'm with a young coach, I'm like, fuck, what are you doing? We've got Craig Bellamy here. We've got the Melbourne Storm. We can learn so much. So, hopefully. They've made a knee-jerk sort of reaction, and and maybe they can think about think about it again and try and get them back. Because I just try and think if I'm a young kid, I've got Cameron Smith in in my in my grasp. I can go and talk to him for ten minutes. Could change some kids' lives for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just think where people in a people, small people town need to think yeah. of the bigger picture and just you know like a. About five years later down the track, these coaches might be talking about, you know, oh, well, what, what was your inspiration? Oh, Melbourne Storm come to, uh, to Albury that time in 2020 and it was amazing and, and all these players were around and this and that. Like, I just, just start thinking about that. Like, if you're the mayor of Albury or whoever's making these crazy decisions because I just think people should start looking at that and how much influence these players have on communities because I've been out in the community when I've either been with the Bulldogs, the Knights, the Roosters, and whatever country team that we've been in, they've always been, they've always so many questions. You're going around, you're doing coaching clinics, you're in the community, you're embedded in the community, and they've got an opportunity now, or we have the opportunity now to have Melbourne Storm there for a couple of months. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they've, and they've really, they've fucked it. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, you've, you've ruined it. So obviously, I don't think Melbourne will want to go back. Well, they're there now. So, so another town's going to probably they'll, have to. they'll win. They'll, they'll end up staying. Just one last question with the whole saga with Channel Nine. Yeah. Yes or no? Will Channel Nine brush rugby league? I honestly don't think. I can't say yes or no. You just cannot, can you? No, I, just I can't. Ask you a because it's a question. fucking hard. It's a simple question. Simple question. <laughs> yes or no? It's a simple question. Channel Nine will brush NRL. Yes or no? This is not like. <laughs> it's a. It's what they call a closed-ended no. question. No, no, they can't. They, it was easy. That was it. I, I won't talk about it then. No, I don't, well, you can if you want. Go. But I just think this. They they opened up this this battle like in in open air. They shouldn't have done it. It should be all be closed doors. And now it's sort of opened up this open air battle, and I'm like, why? And I just think maybe with Channel Seven coming in, they've always wanted. They've always been big fans of the NRL, and they know how much it. You know how much how many people view this sort of game? They love the game, and 
you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, they, they just, just did things wrong. Let's look at the AFL and go, wow, how they've handled all this sort of shit. That's, that's how a professional unit handles it. We've sacked our CEO, all our fucking shit's all over, all over news. It's everywhere. You can't get away with everything. We pick on players all the time. You never heard, I've never heard one story about the AFL. Yeah, Channel 7's backed them. The NABs banks backed them. ANZ, bang, here's your half a billion dollars. Get stepping next year or whatever. So I'm not sure. It's um, We've just handled it wrong. And if it doesn't happen, if Channel 7 come in, well, I'll be leaving this show. I'll be signing with Channel 7. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty hard to impress me, William. Actually, it's not that hard, to be honest. You impress me all the time because you're so handsome. But it is impressive, the Black Book. The Black Book has provided us now with some pretty big names. And I don't reckon I have been as excited about a name of no offence to everyone else, as the name we are about to talk to now. Now, I grew up on a beach. I've been surfing my whole life badly. We have got world champion surfer Joel Parkinson. Yeah, he's uh, he's a really close friend of mine. And I think um, all sort of elite athletes have that mutual respect for each other. Surfers, rugby league players seem to get it on, seem to get it along. Um, you know, I've, I've been friends with him for about 10 or 12 years and he's always been a, a legend, dude. And... I know we've been um, we haven't been struggling for content or anything like that. I just thought, well, you know what, we got we had GI on and Sammy Burgess, you know, Boydie Cordner. We've had enough of a uh, not enough, but like everybody loves rugby league, but people love Joel Parkinson they, and they love hearing other sports play, other sports talent as well. And he's a he's a great person, and I, I can't wait to give him a ring and just give him a, and have a good chat with him because honestly, like, how many people can you ring up and just go, hey mate, I'm just. Uh, I'm doing, a, I'm doing a podcast. Do you mind just jumping on? That's the sort of bloke he is. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. When? When? What time? I said, look, about 7 o'clock on a Wednesday. And he's like, yeah, sweet. So yeah. this isn't a J up. This is actually It's not a J up. I'll I'm give about, him a ring now. Let's get, get him on. The, I'm putting the headphones on. Let's go. And he said he was having a couple too, so it should be fun. We're not. No. Well, mate. Joe Parkinson, you legend. What's going on? Hey, not much, mate. I'm just at a friend's place for a uh, little birthday uh, dinner. Hope you're social distancing and all that shit, mate. I am completely social distancing. We are family friends. We've been friends for quite some time. Oh, and, beautiful. Um, yeah. Mate, I appreciate I'm you coming on, on, mate. I'm going to put it on the phone. I'm going to put it on the phone and say a little happy birthday. All right. Yeah. She's a bit of a legend. Oh, God. You'll know her. You'll know her. It's uh, Celeste Barber. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a legend. Yeah, yeah, Monica, my wife, Monica, and her are really tight. So. Oh, wow. To her house. When social her. distancing's all over, we'll have to have a beer. We will, mate. We will. Mate, I um, appreciate you coming on the show, mate. We, um, I've always been – I've done all the rugby league players like G.I. and Sammy Burgess, Boyd Cordner, Minicello – I was just saying to our producer, uh, I was like, I said, I know Joel Parkinson pretty good. I think he might have a chat with us. And he's like, bullshit. I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure he will. So I sent that text out to you last week and I, I messaged our group message. I said, look, we've got fucking Joel Parkinson. They're like, bullshit. I said, no, mate, he's one of us. So he's, he's one of the boys. So he's, he'll, he'll love coming on. So I really appreciate your time, mate. I've got, a, I've got no, my I partner in crime, Ian Burns. You guys are, it sounds like you're uh, enjoying your podcast and everything's going on with it, so it's good to hear. Mate, it's difficult. It's Ian Byrne here. It's difficult not to enjoy it when we just sit here and, and talk shit and 
drink beers and meet great people. So it's really not that hard. Let's just talk about your career for a little bit, Parco. Um, you're 12 years on the WSL. You're 39 now. You won 11 events, nine tour events. You runner up four times. I was speaking to Bur- uh, Burnsy just before. That was, all, was that all? To, was that all to Mick Fanning four times? No, shit, no. I was going to say you would fucking want to kill him, wouldn't you? No, but there's, 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 there's two people. Like, if they didn't exist, if they weren't ever born, there's Kelly Slater and Mick Fanning. I probably would have had a few more. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, no, but. Um, there's some pretty handy surfers to come just, second, They were phenomenal through, through my era. So. What was your. Um, like, you won it in 2012, finally. Uh, so, would that, would that be your career highlight? I mean, you've, I've, I mean, I could go for a shitload of things here, but, like, that would have to be the crown in your, in your jewel, wouldn't it be? Yeah, I, I guess so. It was my long-term goal um, for, for a dedication of a career yeah. was to be uh, a world champion. Um, and it's a single-handed sport, you know. It's, it's a different kind of concept to any team sport. So it takes a lot of things falling into place for, for one solo to do that. And now it was, it, I was lucky enough to do it that year. Yeah. Um, but there, there is a couple of other little things that I'm just as proud about through my career that I, that I got to achieve, um, through certain places and, and achievements that still to me resonate just as much as a, sometimes as a world title, but a world title definitely takes the glory. Is being on this podcast, one of those things that you're talking about, this would have to be a highlight. Yeah, easily. Mate, with um, you talked about sort of surfing being a one-out sport, and obviously it's the achievement of the individual. Did you find it hard? Obviously, you went to school with Mick Fanning, or, or at least have been friends with him for a long time, and so there was that rivalry, I guess, that happened between the two of you when Will was playing Origin or playing Grand Finals or whatever. He was playing against his mates, but it was in a team environment. Is one-out difficult? Like, do you start to dartboard with the bloke you're up against, or is it does it is it, does it get a bit intense with that when it's such a good friendship as well? Yeah, I mean, I guess to put it in perspective, there for me, like yeah, like growing up in the same little town as Nick and, and Dingo too, and there was a few other great surfers. Damon Hardy, we grew up in this little town, and yeah, we would compete against each other and surf against each other, and everything we did was a rivalry and a freaking competition. It was just a. I guess it was this cheeky kid style competitive environment where it had to be done better and like who was better and who had better surf and who done those little those little um, competitive healthy competitive environment I guess is what you'd say, but we just thought I never forget Rabbit Bartholomew, a world surfing champion, nineteen seventy eight, the legend of of Rabbit told uh, told me I remember at fourteen myself and Dingo. Oh, there's a bunch of you kids on every corner around the country, and we were just like we we thought that the world lived from Snapper to Kira, <laughs> and so I was just like, oh, jeez, I'm 14, thinking every kid around the country, and then every kid around the world, um, surfs this good, and they got a bunch of Rat Pack mates that surf this good, and then they're trying to beat each one, and it's the same way, you know. You just think that that's the that's the nature of the world. Okay. Um, Jolly. And, you know, and then it relates into what it leads into. All right, mate. Um, let's just wind the clock back about 20 years. You would have been about 11, and I would have been about the same age. Like, just say, playing a rugby league player, you've been a surfer up at Nambour, and I'm just back in Toronto and Newcastle, you know, uh, trying to be this elite. There's, a, there's obviously pathways uh, for rugby league players in Australia to go, okay, well, it's all attainable goals to get to the NRL. 
as you just said, like this guy, um, Bartholomew dude, just told you, there's a, he's got a rat pack on every corner. Like, did you, like, what was, what was the road to being, and to get into that age and then all of a sudden going, hang on, I can be an actual pro here. Like, I could, what, what were you 14 or 15 or 16 when the penny sort of dropped and go, hey, I'm one of the best in the world at my age because all we have to do as rugby league players is be the best in our age in Australia. Like, you could be this, this rat pack at Cooley as a 12, 13 year old, and then there could be someone in Brazil or Hawaii or America. Like, when did you find out? And you're like, fuck, boys, we can do it. Because I know Ding well, I know Mick Fanning well. You three blokes were just, you were all coming, coming up. Like, when did it drop to go, all right, fuck, let's, let's, let's take this shit professional? Uh, probably not until I was about 18, yeah. probably a bit later. And like, I was 18, um, I, I had just went in a, um, I, I went in a, I got a wild card to one of the big events at uh, Jeffrey's Bay in South Africa. And, um, yeah, and I, uh, first heat, I take on world number one, Sonny Garcia. And then, then I, I guess from there. I went on and I ended up winning the event, which wild cards weren't meant to do. You know, eighteen-year-old kid against you know thirty-year-old yep. front rower, I guess you'd say, as <laughs> scary as human in surfing. He was just a beast, and here I am. I just took them out, and and then um, the following eight months later, nine months later, Mick goes on and does it at Bell's Beach as an eighteen-year-old kid goes and takes everyone out. You were the youngest to win a world title for a while, for, not a world title, but to win a, a, an event, weren't you? Yeah, 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 for sure. And then Mick did the same. I think Mick and I were doing the top, and then all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, but maybe it's not a fluke that, you know, we we kind of seem to be winning things, and next thing you know, uh, I guess the, the world went on from there. And I, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, you, you, you set a desire for yourself as a kid and to, to win, and I'm... Yeah, I guess yeah, you I was, I was, you do that, and and it's it's a natural path for you to want to win, and as as a as a sport or whatever you're in. Did it ever lose its appeal from a surfing perspective? Because all of a sudden it's a business. You're you're living or dying to some respect as a professional surfer on your results and things like that. Did did that take any of the enjoyment out for you, or or do you still just get as froth as ever just going for a surf? Yeah, good question. That is a very rarely asked question I've had, and I'm not sure. That's what three beers on a Wednesday night does for you, Joe. Um, Yeah, for sure. Definitely. When when, at a point of of at my peak and and being there, and and I'm sure that any other surfer that's won world titles or multiple world titles would probably say the procedure of going through it isn't as as satisfying as the, I guess, the, the. the natural flow of just being a surfer, definitely. Yeah. No, I'm, I think being a surfer is just a is just such a uninstincted way of life, and and being but being a world champion has got to have a protocol and a, a procedure to do it. I really appreciate your time, Parker. I know that you're you're busy there and you're at a party. Tell Celeste Barber Thank I said hello, I'm, and tell your I beautiful wife and Thank kids. Thank you so much, guys. And I, hopefully, I wasn't too no, mate. Too much crap. All good. Moment. We'll, uh, Thanks, mate. Next really time I'm appreciate- on the coast, mate, I'll give you a ring. We'll have a beer. Uh, I'm coming you, to that too. Bye. See you, mate. <laughs> no Cheers, Paco. Bye, mate. See you, bye. pal. Bye. There we go. Well, well. yeah. There we the go. black book is open. I, Again. I have basically just fanboyed you Joel fucking, Parkinson. No, I'm sitting here. I'm like, you're asking legit proper good questions. I'm like, no, I'll lay in the cut and go, 
hey, I'll just ask you a little bit about your mindset and stuff like that. So he actually had to fucking sit back and think. He's at a party. I know what goes on at parties. He had to think. <laughs> he had to fucking think. He's sitting back going, shit, he just hit me from the side. It's probably more to do with the party oh, than my questions. Mate, I, think. I think the party, I think the, the bit of silence was great. Um, yeah, I mean, he's at a party there, but he's all with close friends. There's about four or five. There's always the social distancing is apparent. Mate, he's he's just one of those he's one of those guys, man. He's just a knock around bloke. He's no different than anyone else. He was just really, really good at what he did. You know, he's doing some great things with Bolter and and all the young kids up there. I know he didn't elaborate on what he was doing, but he's got his own surf schools and and everything like that. Because everyone wants to be Joel Parkinson and Mick Fanning. Yeah, there's only it's, you you obviously do. I'd rather be Joel Parkinson <laughs> than Willie Mason. But he's he's one of the great guys and one of our one of our true legends in sport. We have terrible, terrible news to report, don't we, William? Uh, yes, what is it? We can't win. Yeah, it's We awful. cannot win. It is brutal. It is a bloodbath. We are going to ring Jared now. How did my horse go? Because I don't uh, – I'm not a massive watcher. Well, not well, if I'm perfectly honest. Really? Yes. Yeah. You better deliver this week. Has Hassan Sale, I'm shouting you out, mate. You've, you've, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you're thought- not going too much better, Mr – each way? No, no. There was one each way bet. <laughs> Mister Each way, way we'll call you. Well, yeah, that's the only one that's uh, only on Saturdays. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call me Dean Laidley. Oh. <laughs> the old Each way Dean Laidley. Hey guys, how are you? Jared, how are you, mate? We're fucking ratchet. I'm very well. How are you? Oh, look, I'm under a bit of pressure, Jared. I'm not going to lie. There's been <laughs> yeah. it's been a pretty awful couple of weeks. Uh, for a number of reasons. First of all, Jay and Starney got eliminated from Lego Masters, which has been – it's difficult for me. It's devastating. Oh, I'm devastated. The yep, second yep. thing is we cannot win. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah, that's obvious, mate. That's obvious. <laughs> this is the. This is turning out to be the most lucrative sponsorship deal of all time for Ned's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not paying a cent so far. How good? Let's do it every season. Yeah. We've got a toolbox. Great great, great work, guys. We need to fucking win. We need to win this week. I reckon 100% I've got a winner this week. I've got it. I mean, my mate's been punting for like 25 years, and he said, look, if this doesn't win, Maze, I'm done. So maybe uh, if he does lose, it might be a good thing, but I I don't think it'll lose. What do you think of race two, number one, Kinlock? Kinlock, it raced to it uh, at Randwick. Yep. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> I'm actually just looking at the name of this race now. It is called the Central Coast Mariners Handicap. So straight off the bat, let's hope he goes better than they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, my uh, God. He's, <laughs> he's only had the one career start so far. But, look, as far as debut performances go, he certainly couldn't have been more impressive. It was actually on the 900-metre track at Newcastle. And thoroughbred races in Australia don't get a whole lot shorter than that. He missed the kick, and he still ended up winning by a length. This race is definitely harder. I bet he's going to be a lot better for that experience. He's drawn an absolute peach in Barrier 3. I don't know if this is anything more of a vote of confidence. It certainly hasn't been the last few weeks, but uh, yeah. I've already backed him myself. I thought the $4.40 ah. was a very good for him. Can, can okay, I just, the Profit Profits back me. Can I just confirm <laughs> yeah. we're, backing, we're backing a horse that's on its second start and its first yeah. start – basically was a trial run over 900. Is that what we're doing here? That's pretty much what we're doing, yeah. Basically. two-year-old as well. Oh. Yeah. This okay, is- Mr. Genius, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Each Way, let's see what you've got. No, I'm not. Oh, you've, 
Got to stop with the each way. It's the only thing we've won. I'm going to throw it back to you again, Jared. I just that's done me. 900 meters. A horse. Yeah. How how big's a horse? It's about 800 about as meters. Big as me. It just it went bang yeah. there. It's over. Get on, get on my back. Yeah. Just get on my back this week, and I'll run. Five or six. That's steps, it. Yeah. All right. So. The horse that I was I'll going ring, sorry, to. I'm going to ring Huey Bowman. He can jump on my back and we'll, we'll go. We'll ring Huey Bowman. We're going oh, no, I'll get him on next week. Yeah. You know my black book is just open. Your black book goes all right. Yeah. Now, Welsh legend, I liked it last yeah. week. It got scratched because I'm good at this. And now yeah. it's 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 running around this week again. Yeah. It's a reasonable price, Jared, for yeah. a horse that is last start winner. Yeah, absolutely. She's a quality mare, this one. Uh, and the trainer, Chris Wallace, clearly had an opinion of her for quite a while, too. She did step out in the Queensland Oaks last year. Um, yeah, look, she's, she's improved with each of her starts this campaign. I'm just having a look at her form here now. She won over the 2,000 metres here just a couple of weeks ago. I actually think dropping back to the 1,800 metres is going to be ideal for her this weekend because she did only just hold on and win last time. Uh, she's also drawn to receive a lovely run from Barrier 6 as we speak, and like you said, she's a $10 pop. Thank you very much. I think that is over the odds. Yeah, so do I. And I'm not going to go each way because, honestly, yeah, it's can't. just – it is not – I've done it once and I have never, yeah. ever copped as much abuse in my entire <laughs> life. But you went each way of Dean Laidley one night. What, <laughs> what, what, about, what about Grand Piano, Jared? I mean, I know, yeah, it's, I know it's short, but is that a safer yeah. bet? Uh, yeah, well, look, I think there's three of us talking here. Why don't I just chuck in the extra 50 and we'll back all of them here? Because I think Grand Piano, we were speaking about this earlier, in is a Japanese-bred horse in Australia, and that typically means that he's good. Yeah. Uh, and that's certainly the case with this bloke. He's won three of his four this campaign. The only other time he raced was a fourth placing in a harder Group 3 race. I think he's rock hard fit. Two dollars sixty we can take for him at the moment. So I think we put pop another fifty over the kid this week oh, and good. just throw him on the Thank nose. God. Is this this is your conscience speaking, isn't it, Jared? <laughs> this is this is the first time we've, we've had a win. conscience we've bet got a win. on the take with Willie Mason. Well I'm just starting to feel bad. I well I feel I feel worse because I'm actually backing these horses physically yeah. as well and it's just been it's been yeah. very ugly. I would like to say thank you very much for that, Jared. That's a that's a very Appreciate uh, that, Jared. that's a very that's a nice thing to do. And we really yeah. would like to start winning some money because we just we we're trying to do a good thing. <laughs> and at this stage, I wouldn't we say we've been inundated once by requests yeah. because once the people, NRL starts, thank God they are starting. We'll, we'll, yeah. the, the kitty will be flying. Yeah, we'll be right. We are only a couple of weeks away now, too. Surely, yeah, we'll be all right. All right, mate. Well, thanks again. We will speak to you next week, and uh, hopefully both of those horses, all three of that, I've given up yeah. on Will's 900-metre one, but yeah. hopefully both of our horses win, Jared. We uh, we could be on, fingers crossed. All right, man. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it, Jared. All right, thanks, Thank guys. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Bye. See, See you, ya. mate. Bye. Uh, I don't really have to mention that you need to just be sensible while you're betting. Don't be stupid. What's it called? Gamble responsibly, that, William. Do you have to say gamble responsibly or just like just don't bet like an idiot? I think that should be – it's a better slogan. Don't be an idiot and bet your whole life savings. Especially on our tips. Yeah, fuck. I have terrible news, William. What? We have just been informed by the producer that we don't have time for Kangaroo Tales this week. Ah. So what I'm going to get you to do, we're, we're going to go live on Instagram – Next week, we're going to tell a story live on Instagram. No, well, I mean, we'll do we'll do a, a lead in of Kangaroo Tales. Okay, think of your your best story, mm. and we'll do that on Instagram live next week, and then answer some questions. All right, cool, sounds good.
Played a doozy tonight as well. Tune in next week then. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us once again. We really enjoy doing this. You can catch us on all of the great podcast channels, iTunes, Spotify. Oh, actually, that's the only two I know. I don't know there's, probably, <laughs> <laughs> there's probably more, but may the main ones. Get us on those main ones and yeah. rate and review. The more people that listen to us and the more people that do those rating and reviews yeah. ensure that we're back. I mean, we, I don't think – I think we we need to, uh, I don't know, uh, interact a lot more with our fans. Obviously, there's a lot of – there's a lot of content that we've got to get out first, and you know we'll have we'll dedicate a whole session to just our questions, the Q and A on Twitter, on Instagram at Take with Willie Mason and Mason's Take on Twitter, and obviously we are everywhere on the podcast channels, the Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud, and whatever else. Have I got fans, Will? Yeah, we have fans, mate. You got fans. Hey, you're a genius, mate. With in this, hey, you got some good questions. People love what you're doing, so I think a lot of people. What I get, the natural, the vibe is just like, you know, we're different. And I don't think we're different. It's just because it's fucking real. And people are sort of watching this fake shit on news and it's just embarrassing with the content that they're spitting out. Otherwise, you know, we could sit here and go through all my best teams that I've played with and our best origin teams and our best Australian teams. But people don't give a shit about that. Why would people give a shit about what teams that I'm – do you know what I mean? Like, get, get over yourself. Get over your egos. No one cares about what I'm thinking, you know what I mean? The world's bigger than rugby league. So we come here, we talk about some good content, we talk, have some fun, we have a couple of beers, we get some good guests on, and just support us. It's good, man. Otherwise, we'll just keep on, we'll just keep on stepping anyway. Well, here's the thing. Will, you're, you're a big man on social media. Why don't we, in order to interact with our fans, why don't our fans, I can't believe I'm saying that, but why don't we open up Instagram Live. Yep. People can get on board, ask us questions. We'll answer anything. You've always been an honest human being. Yeah. And let's get mate, involved. Mate, I'm, I'm interested in doing that. I'll obviously do it next week. Uh, it'll be good. I mean, I get a lot of questions anyway all the time. They, they watch our show. And they've got, they have got some really good. Not obviously, you get your, your your crazy fucking idiot who's got absolutely no idea, and they'll just ask some questions about, you know, what happened on this year, this blah blah blah. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't say that. But you know, most of them are legit questions. They've got some really good questions about how the games run and how it was run when I was playing and all these sort of places. So next week will be interesting. So um, so tune in and get your questions ready because I'm going to fire back at you. Slide into our DMs. Now, don't say it. Stop sliding into my DMs as well. <laughs> Ian, each way. I'll <laughs> be following Willie more and more. Back in the NRL is Willie Mason. I've forgotten how big Willie actually is. Perhaps the presence of Willie and the Panthers looking at his imposing frame. I'm a 25 minute man. Wow. Oh, you got skill, son. Uppercut right hand by Big Willie. Too fancy for you. You've been listening to The Take with Willie Mason and co-host Ian Byrne. Produced by Craig Trewick, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker of Green Room Sydney, and presented by the Handshake Media Network.